It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Total Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Well, here we are in Oceanside with Audi for the debut of the 2023 e-tron Q4. And we have a very special guest, Spencer Reeder, who is the Director of Government Affairs and Sustainability for Audi North America. Uh, so thank you very much for, having, for having us here. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. So from what I got from your presentation last night and talking to you during a, a, a dinner, I get the feeling that you didn't get this job uh, just for the salary or for the title or something. It's because you care about um, what, what's happening in, in the world of, uh, in general and automotive, but also because you get a chance to drive cool cars like the one in your profile on LinkedIn. <laughs> Yeah, I do get to drive cool cars. I actually like to ride bicycles principally, but I but I'm a fan of Audi. I have been for a long time, um, and and you're right. I joined I joined the the industry generally because in February of 2016, transportation became the number one source of greenhouse gases in the United States. So it's it's the really it's the issue we have to successfully address if we're going to confront climate change. You were giving us some uh, interesting uh, numbers last night, uh, and and like debunking some myths about who is more responsible for pollution and all this kind of thing. Can you share that again with us? Oh, with the right, audience? yeah. We, we took a poll at dinner. We uh, asked the, the table to guess how many miles uh, Americans drive every day. Uh, and this includes trucks, not just passenger cars, but all road transportation. And I think we got a guess of a million. Yeah. Uh, someone guessed 10 million miles. I think someone guessed a billion I did. Be, I guess a billion, but I went way far. <laughs> but the, the but the true answer is 8.8 billion miles a day, a day or 3.2 trillion miles a year is yeah. how the math works out there. So it, I think that is a really interesting fact that illuminates how important transportation is to yeah. address, because if all of those tailpipes continue to emit carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases, then we're you know we're not going to successfully reduce. The way we have to to, to address the, the problem. Even with all the advancement in uh, recent years for electric or alternative uh, options, I mean that percentage is still very very low, right? It is, but it's growing. I think the trend is quite encouraging. Um, I think even just last year we were hovering still around two percent new car sales being a plug-in electric vehicle. Now we're uh, getting up uh, four or five percent nationally, and in California, I believe it was the month of June or maybe it was July, uh, that hit 18 percent or over 18 percent yeah. of new car sales. 
again, that's going to take a long time to turn over the entire fleet, on-road fleet. Um, you know, over 100 million cars, right, on the road uh, in terms of passenger cars. Uh, but but if we think about, you know, getting 50% here in a few years and we're at 15, 16, 17 million new car sales every year, that that's going to start to make a big dent. Let's talk about the uh, 2035 number, the year that allegedly California is going to ban the sale of IC cars. So a lot of people get confused with that, and, like, there's a lot, depending which side you are on the topic, some people take it as something good, some people take it like something completely negative, so let's talk uh, 2035. Yeah, well, listen, it, it has the potential to be fantastic, and, again, I, my background's in climate science, so it's... I mean, we could even argue that's too late, right? Oh. Because of we really have about seven years to really bend the curve down uh, in terms of emissions. We're not we're, we're running up against it really right now. Uh, but the 2035 goal has people nervous, un- understandably. Um, it, it to clarify it doesn't ban the sale of used internal combustion yeah. engine vehicles, right? So there still will be a lot of vehicles available in the market, but all new cars, yeah, by 2035, have to be uh, a zero emission vehicle. Um, but I think just as important, once we hit 2030, we're almost at three quarters of new car sales. So that's that's even, you know, like I think 2030, 2028, we're, you know, 50% um, or, or over 50%. Uh, so these are significant numbers. Uh, they're going to require big investments in infrastructure. So it's not just on us, the automaker, right, to deliver the product, which, which of course, we have to do. But it is on the entire ecosystem of of people, of organizations, of advocates who work on transportation issues to all work together to accelerate both, you know, the infrastructure and the environment that these vehicles have to operate in, but also consumer awareness, right? People's understanding of the vehicle, their capabilities, their interests, their demand for them. Some people claim that uh, all this uh, push for electrification in the automotive industry is being pushed more by governments and uh, even money like investing banking and all that but as you said we were running against the time and like from today to 2022 well almost 2023 we're in october almost uh in terms of the industry that period of time is very short i mean the, the production I mean, the movement has started and it's not going to stop right regardless of what some people think it, it is short I, i will mention you know this of course audi was thinking about this six seven years ago and in, in the fall of 2018 we launched our first all-electric vehicle yeah. here in the united states actually it was the global launch it was it was done in san francisco i don't know if you were there yeah i was there absolutely yes yeah, so you the saw that and everything yeah. right so you know I think for us, we, we've been working on this for a while. We're positioned to meet this this challenge. And like I said before, we don't have a lot of time. And yes, it's fast, but we don't really have a choice. The industry has to respond, those that can. And uh, and that's what we're confronted with. So even closer than 2035, 2026, Audi will sell or introduce its last uh, new IC car, right? Uh, even more ambitious than that in 2025 we actually introduce our last new internal combustion engine vehicle so beginning i mean this is two years away so right so it's starting in 26 and well starting in calendar year 26 i'll clarify 
all of our new launches are going to be a plug-in electric vehicle. So, you know, all of the research and development, all of the innovation that we put into our product is now squarely focused on plug-in electric vehicles in 2026 and beyond. That's all you're going to see come out is new product from us. So obviously you're convinced and you, your job is to convince other people, right? Like uh, in, in your case, government officials, but also consumers. So if you were to talk to people who have never experienced an EV car and they still have like their ideas, uh, oh, this is not good, like it's not going to let me stranded on the road, Let's make your case. I mean, like, why, why are electric cars? And we, we don't have too much time. Yeah, no, no. I'm not sure I can make the case other than to say, you know, go test drive a new electric car. I mean, that's really going to be the most persuasive case anyone can yeah. make is experiencing the, the technology directly, just like you did yesterday. Uh, and, and, I mean, you've been driving all kinds of cars your whole career. So, I mean, I'd ask you the question, what do you think? Because you know this no, market. I, I, I said exactly the same as you. I mean, there's no way we can write articles, we can do videos, we can do the podcast, we can talk to you, <laughs> to government officials, to engineers, designers, and all that. And there's no way, no better way to 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 convey the message than experience the cars because they're completely different right right, right. it's just a better experience yeah. um my i have a funny story my my son is eight years old we got an rs car you know we make audi has this great yeah. tradition in making rs vehicles but we a few weeks prior to that had the e-tron gt rs <laughs> to drive around which is our flagship electric sports car model and he got in our rs vehicle and he's like Dad, I don't like the sound, and, and this is gas, right? I don't like that, and why doesn't it accelerate immediately yeah. like the other car? Yeah. So, so to me, that that's just to, to bolster what you just said. It's the experience. Yeah. Even an eight-year-old kid can feel the difference but, in, in the driving experience between these top-of-the-line electric vehicles versus their internal combustion engine counter, counterparts. So I actually don't have a lot of concern once we get people in the vehicle. Yeah that they're going to love them and, and demand. In fact, we're already seeing demand uh, really increase faster than any of us anticipated. I do want to go back, though. You said the role of government. Is it the government? Is it consumers? Is it the automakers? I think it's all of us. I think the government regulations do put appropriate pressure on the industry to accelerate the transformation. Otherwise, you know, there's just a lot of interest to slow things down, to drag your feet. Oh, well, we've made yeah. this investment. Let's just continue to, to get uh, squeeze out as much uh, profit from that existing investment as we can. I think the regulations do facilitate an acceleration in the transformation, which I think, is, as we were talking about, is really important because we don't have much time. And um, we have experienced the changes. I mean, like you live in Sacramento, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I live in Florida. We just had the hurricane going through yesterday, or yeah, yesterday. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were talking about how you experienced 117 degree temperature, like just a couple of weeks ago in the middle of September. Yeah. And I remember going to San Diego maybe five, 10, 15 years. And this will be like in the 70s, the 60s, and now we're like in the 80s and humid and like, so. I guess when people start experiencing that too, like the, the real change that it's happening, I mean, probably that will convince more people. Uh, you you hope you would think so. I mean, I've been presenting climate data to the audiences for almost two decades, and it you know it, it does one of two things. It does there's a certain percentage of the people that hear about this and they want to make a change. There are a larger percentage of people that just feel overwhelmed by the information, like, well, what can I do? And they and they almost feel hopeless. And so we don't want a feeling of hopelessness. That's the great thing about electric vehicles. You can actually make a direct contribution to the solution by driving these vehicles. Um, so, so that's really important. The hurricane, you know, the intensity is almost a Category 5. I mean, it, 
we were talking yesterday, the, the engine that drives a vehicle is an internal combustion engine or an electric motor increasingly. The engine that drives climate change and particularly these events is the, is the warming ocean, right? The, the, that's yeah. the engine that drives the intensity of the hurricane. We, we can't, people are going to experience these events. Yeah. And, and I they think you're right. I think thinking. they're going to start reevaluating the rhetoric they hear from various politicians that are maybe still trying to diminish the importance of climate change. That's not productive and I think we need we need everybody to realize how serious this is. Okay, let's talk now about other people who claim to know more than the rest and then like the, all the other problems with batteries and mining and uh, raw materials and all that because that's a hot topic too. I mean, it's a different audience I guess, uh, but that's still a, a, a hard topic to convince people or to like get them like the right information even right yeah the first or second question i always get is is the person that leads sustainability here in the u.s for audi is well what about the ev battery isn't that a concern and the answer is yes but it's not uniquely a concern right everything or almost everything that we uh, consume and use in our society has some raw material that goes into it many of these products whether it's a washing machine or the phone in your pocket uses um, minerals that need to be mined out of the ground so i think as i said last night the scrutiny is important i think we have to do a better job with our mining i think there's a lot of people focused appropriately on that uh, but an ev battery is not unique right it's just it's another thing that we need to draw raw materials out of the earth uh, to use and manufacture Uh, the, the good thing about EV batteries, and we just announced a partnership with Redwood Materials, is that it is very, very, it lends itself very well to recycling and uh, over 95% recovery of the raw materials that can go right back into the battery supply chain. So we have this really beautiful circular economy potential and the pipelines being built now with the new batteries and and very soon we're going to see increasing amounts of those raw materials coming from recycled product so eventually we'll have to, we'll be able to reduce the pressure on mining ex, you know, extremely does that does that put like a strain on the infrastructure because still we don't have enough infrastructure to recharge cars i don't think in the u.s we're like a, i mean depending the percentage of the cars and the fleet and like Or if you're in Oceanside versus St. Louis, Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> so, like my neighbor, my, my neighbor bought a, not an Audi, she bought a Tesla, Model Y. Two months later, she got rid of it because she wasn't feeling comfortable and she only drive to, from Miami to Orlando, 220, 240 miles, right at the edge of the range. And she wasn't feeling comfortable with it. So, um, so where are we in that other part, like uh, the recycling of the old batteries, the infrastructure, like where I want to charge, like all those kind of things? Yeah, well, this is why earlier when we were talking, it requires this whole ecosystem of, of stakeholders to really work together because these are all real issues. So depending on where you live, as I said, you may have convenient access to public charging, you may not. The, the great thing about an electric vehicle, of course, is if you do have a carport or a garage or some, somewhere close by that you can have a dedicated charger, then every night you can plug in and you've got a full sort of tank, right, every morning. It's, the convenience is, is unbelievable, right, if, if you have that. If you don't, if you live in an apartment or, a, a, you know, in a dense urban environment, then, yes, you need access to some other, either at your workplace or in the public And there's no question that we need more infrastructure. I think that's why you see the Biden administration inve investing the $7.5 billion. But also many states, the state of California has invested hundreds of millions of dollars over many years to build that infrastructure. And this just has to proliferate across the country, right? Yeah. And uh, the other thing, as we were talking about the experience of uh, driving the car, I think the experience of living with a car is the other element. And I always say, probably you, have, you agree with me or not, but I think like, 
maybe a week or two, not in the case of my neighbor, because she got two months and she got rid of it anyway. But for most people, two weeks, maybe a month is a good time to experience. And like people who are not looking for a guy, for a charging station, well, oh, there's one here at uh, Whole Foods, or there's one free at the library or something like that. Is that more or less like the case that you have here from people who got into the electric cars and now they're like happy with it? Yeah, and, and just to, to elaborate on that last point you made, I think a lot of people will claim before they have an electric vehicle, oh, there's no chargers near where I live. Yeah. And then as soon as they start looking, oh, wait, there's there's four over here and there's yeah. three another half mile away. So I think this is part of a signage challenge that we haven't figured out yet in the United States. There's some laws against signage, which a lot of people are working to change on the freeway, for example. If you're driving down the freeway, you don't see EV charging signs. Yeah. Uh, because you see them in the in the navigation. Yes, of the cars, yeah, which helps a lot. right, right. So the cars will navigate you there, but if you don't own an EV yeah. and you're not looking for them, you think there's no charging. So there's actually a lot more in most places than people realize. There's some places that are clearly lacking, um, but I think the infrastructure awareness and then just familiarity with the technology. The other issue I'll tell you is we all have to pay attention to is the reliability of these stations. We need them to be functioning yeah. right once they're installed. And that's going to be another thing that's going to maybe cause someone to, to have a car, drive it for a few weeks, go to a station near where they live. If it's not working properly, yeah. then they're going to say, well, forget it. This is not convenient. So it is about convenience. It's about practicality. It's so I think we are only successful in this effort if we meet our customers where they are today and not and, and with the same kind of convenience, right? Or practically the same kind of convenience. So, well, uh, we're running out of time here, but I want to make a commitment with you and you and me. Like, maybe we meet in 2025 again, or maybe sooner than that, but definitely 2025 for the last IC car. Okay. Is that, and then we see where we go from the future. Fantastic. Now I enjoyed talking yeah. to you. Look forward to the next time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.